right, well, hey, it's so good to be here this morning. I just want to honor Aaron Manning. He also plays bass over here. So where is he at? He's back there. Aaron's been making videos for us, so, so thank you. We are finally in the 21st century because of Aaron, so appreciate it. And, and Tom doing that, Ashlyn, and Jen doing the announcements. I'm so grateful for a church where people jump in and pitch in to make this thing possible. So thank you for serving. And if you're new today, I just want to say welcome. Thanks for being here. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord as we are doing our Kingdom Builder Sunday today. So it's a great day to be here, to hear about our heartbeat. Our heart is truly global. We are a church that is passionate about missions, and I'm excited to share that with you today. And when we planted the church back in 2020, it wasn't just for us to have one more church for Christians to choose from in the Cedar Valley. Instead, we planted this church because we were burdened by the fact that 61,000 people in Cedar Falls, Waterloo area do not belong to a church. And we wanted to raise up disciples who could reach our community and also reach the world. And from the beginning, we wanted to be a truly sent church that builds God's kingdom again here and around the world. We're not a social club, but we are a movement of people sent out by God to love the one, serve the Cedar Valley, and change the world. And Kingdom Builders is one of our vehicles that enables us to be this kind of church. It's our way of not just raising money for what we're doing here, but investing in building Jesus' church around the world. And we prayerfully commit to giving financially above and beyond our ties to or to global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. And Kingdom Builders is a national movement that, that many of our partner churches do, but it began here in 2022 last year out of this conviction that our church has to be about truly making disciples of every nation. Jesus himself, he gave it to reach he gave it all to reach the lost and to make disciples, and we are radically committed to following in King Jesus' footsteps. And with that said, again, today is our Kingdom Builder Sunday. Every year we want to take one day at least, potentially more than that, to talk about Kingdom Builders and the projects we're focusing on for that year. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 10, and we're going to look at a passage. It's going to start in verse 13, a passage that has profoundly shaped me. And back when I was first called into ministry about a decade ago, I truly felt that this passage was my life passage, and it still is one of those life passages. And before we dive in, I want to give a bit of context about it. So Romans is a letter from the Apostle Paul. He referred to himself as the Apostle to the Gentiles, the Apostles to the non-Jewish people. It's from him to the church in Rome. And out of all the books of the New Testament, Romans does the best job of holistically explaining what Jesus came to do in his life, death, and resurrection. Just gives a really clear explanation of it. And one theme of this book is how Jesus came to save both the Jews, who are God's chosen people, and the Gentiles. So again, the non-Jewish people through his death and resurrection. In Romans 9 through 11, or specifically, which is a, a tricky three chapters. In those chapters, Paul, he wrestles with uh, the difficult truth that, that for most Jews, they did not receive Jesus well. They rejected Jesus. And he deals with the question of whether or not God's promises to his people still are going to come through. And he shows that God will certainly come through on his promises to the Jews, but he also stresses, his, or stresses that the only way to be saved is by believing in Jesus Christ. It's in this context that he talks about the importance of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So it's verse 13. He says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Okay, so the sermon title and the theme for Kingdom Builders uh, for 2023 is so that all may hear, so that all may hear. Let's pray over that and we'll dive on in. So Lord, we thank you for this morning. And God, we thank you for what you've done in the past through our missions giving and through Kingdom Builders. And Lord, I pray that 2023 would burst the banks of our imaginations. I pray that you would just explode through any expectation we have of what makes sense for, for what we can do individually for giving to Kingdom Builders and also for a church or for the church as a whole. And Lord, I pray for this sermon this morning that you would speak through it and 
Holy Spirit, we ask you to convict us and encourage us and do what you do best, which is bring life change into our hearts. So God, we pray for that spirit. We give you permission to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so last January, we had the pleasure and privilege to host a missionary here at the church who is serving in Southern Asia, and and she did a wonderful job. She specifically works with girls who are caught in sex trafficking, and last week, she sent a text out to one of my pastor friends who then forwarded it to me, and she said this. She said, asking for prayer for us as we try to cast demonic spirits out of the safe house today, so the place where they... um, a place where they bring these girls. Our girl said that she likes these spirits. They give her power and beauty and special gifts, which is such a common thing that people say when they're held captive to uh, demonic spirits. We have been having a lot of problems with her, which is to be expected, but we're also dealing with several spirits. I'll send you a video of what looks like a spirit by the window. Anyway, if you see this and would pray for us, I would appreciate it. So me and a group of pastor friends prayed together for this, and I did see the video, and it did look like a spirit. And a few hours later, about, it's about probably six hours later, about probably midnight, she sent another text. And she said, thank you so much for praying. The demons have all left with shrieks, screams, and the slamming of doors. We had a former radical Muslim come and pray over her. He said that they are gone, but they want to return. And they will try to gain access by any means possible. Please continue to pray for us. Also, hope, as we call her, so the girl asked Jesus to help her. After that is when she started manifesting and the spirits came out. Praise Jesus for the victory. She seemed much happier today. I thank God that we get the opportunity to partner with these giants in the faith who are serving all around the world, pushing back darkness. I'm so thankful to get to partner with someone like this who is truly bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. All around the Cedar Valley, the United States and the world, people are held in bondage. And some, like Hope, are held captive to demonic spirits. More people than you realize are held captive to demonic spirits. Others are enslaved in their sin. They're addicted to substances, sexual sin, pride, greed, and anger. And I could go on and on. Others are anxious, depressed, and they fear the future every day of their lives. They fear the future. And most importantly, at least 70% of the world, if they died today, would go to hell. They would be eternally separated from the one who they were made for. In the Cedar Valley alone, only 39% of people as of 2017, I'm assuming it's, it's less than that now, but only 39% of people were involved in a local church as of 2017. Okay? And this isn't for lack of good churches. You can only drive about two blocks without seeing a church. And we got some good churches in the Cedar Valley. That's not why. You know, we have a great group of churches. In 2017, another study came out that found that the region of Cedar Rapids up through Waterloo, so kind of eastern Iowa, it found that this region is the fourth least Bible-minded region in the United States. Okay, so we only come behind Providence, Rhode Island, Boston, Massachusetts, and Albany, New York. Okay, they all happen to be on the East Coast. Okay, we have a problem. And the problem is that Satan rules in too many places. The kingdom of God has yet to rush into every human heart, into every geographic location, Across the globe today, 42.5% of people groups are unreached. Okay, to be an unreached people group means that you need to have less than 2% of the population be Bible-believing Christians. Over 3 billion people live within populations where they are unlikely to ever meet a committed Christian. In Bangladesh, there are 132,871,000 Bengali Muslims and 0% of the population is Christian. In Japan, there are 118... 118,468,000 Japanese people and only 1.2% are nominally Christian and 0.3% are Bible-believing Christians. In Turkey, 61,142,000 Turks are unreached and they only have 0.01% nominal Christian and 0% Bible-believing Christians. This is not okay. In America, much more of us identify as Christian, but we are lukewarm at best. And we fail to actually follow Jesus. In 2020, only 25% of Americans said they practiced Christianity. And that's down from 45% just 20 years ago in, in 2000. Okay, so while we need to reach the unreached people groups of the world, there's also a ton of work to do here in the United States. And not to mention, we are losing the next generation. Only 17% of U.S. young adults, which sounds funny because most of our church is the next generation, but, <laughs> so thank you, next generation here at Sun Church, but 
Only 17% of U.S. young adults say that they are committed to Jesus, or to Jesus, and 30% are nominally committed to Jesus, and 52% of young adults, so between the ages of 18 and 22, 52% are not committed to Jesus in any way at all in America. There is a problem. Jesus has called us to make disciples of all nations, and the task can seem impossible. So Paul, in, in Romans 10, he was dealing with a similar problem. Jesus was an Israelite, and yet the Israelites, by and large, had not received the good news of the gospel. So most of God's chosen people were headed to hell. On top of that, they had the whole Gentile world to still reach with the gospel. There's a huge task. Okay, so what's the solution to the lostness in our world? In our world, what's the solution to Satan reigning in way too many places? Well, the solution is Jesus reigning in more places. That's the solution. And for the last couple of years, we've been working through the Gospel of Mark sermon series, verse by verse. And when Jesus began his ministry way back in June of 2021, he said this, which was longer ago. Anyways, in verse 15, he said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As Jesus began his ministry, he announced that the kingdom of God was coming near. He was dethroning the enemy. He was plundering the devil's house and taking his place as king in hearts and in the world. His mission was for Satan to rule in less places and to rule in less hearts and eventually to be banished to the lake of fire forever, cut off from God's new heaven and earth. And the way to enter this eternal heavenly kingdom is to repent, which means to turn from your old way of doing things, to stop trying to be the king of your own life, to repent and to believe in Jesus' gospel. And gospel, it just means good news. It's the good news that Jesus has died for our sins. He has rose from the grave, and he now sits at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning as Lord of the earth. If we want Satan to be dethroned in our hearts and for Jesus to rule, we have to repent and believe. Paul says it this way in verse 9 of chapter 10 in Romans. He says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified or made right with God, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Okay, Paul says if we want to be saved, we must confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Okay, this isn't just an intellectual assent to Jesus' divinity. And I think this is where we get off track sometimes in American Christianity. It's not just like, oh, I believe in him. Sure, I believe he's God. It's a heart belief that Jesus is the king of the world. It's putting all your hope, all your trust in Jesus. Here's the deal. When you really believe that Jesus Christ, or when you really believe that he died and rose from the grave, and if you really trust him with your life, it should shake up the way you live, right? In verse 13, Paul says this. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If we want to see Satan pushed back and Jesus rule in more places, we need to see people call on the name of Jesus and make him the king of their lives. In verse 17, he goes on to say, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Okay, for people to call on the name of Jesus, they have to hear about him, and this is where we come in. Our task is to make sure people hear about Jesus. For the gospel to go forward, Satan to be pushed back, and, and Jesus lifted up, there's three things that have to happen, according to Paul. In 14, he says this, How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they never heard? Here's the first thing that has to happen. The lost must hear and believe. <clears throat> Sorry, I got some in my throat. <laughs> I'm not crying. That was two weeks ago. Okay, those who don't know, I'm actually going to take a drink quick. Sorry. <laughs> All right, so those who don't know about Jesus have to hear about what he has done through his life, death, and resurrection. And they have to hear about his love for them. Faith comes by hearing. And for the lost to trust Jesus with their lives, they have to first hear about him. And for them to hear about him, someone has to open their mouth and preach. It says this in verse 14b, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? Okay, the second thing that has to happen for people, or for Jesus to rule in more places, is preachers got to share. Preachers got to share. Paul's not just talking about 
you know, Sunday morning preachers. He's not just talking about me, right? Like preaching in this context. He's talking about people who are willing to take the gospel to their family and their friends and their coworkers and their community. It's not just a three-point sermon in a church building. It's people who use their words and their lives to declare what Jesus has done. And the best venue for this type of thing to happen is conversation between two people who love each other. That's the best place for preachers to share. Before Jesus left the earth, he told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit so that they could have power to be his witnesses. He said this in Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is not just for church leaders, but it's for everyday Christians. If we're going to share, we need the power of the Holy Spirit, which is why we have stuff like the Holy Spirit Conference. Come. Please come. You won't regret it. Okay, one of our other missionary partners in Southern Asia uh, shared a beautiful story this week about sharing the gospel. She has a Muslim friend who comes to her Bible study every week. And this last week, they took a train ride together to go visit something uh, And on the ride, she decided to start just pressing her a bit about Jesus. And she asked if if she believes what Jesus is saying in the Bible is true. And her Muslim friend said yes, but also that she sees the similarities between Christianity and Islam, right? She's trying to build a bridge, her friend. Our missionary friend responded by saying that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and encouraged her to actually look at the differences between Jesus and Muhammad. And she admitted uh, that Muhammad has flaws or had flaws, and she's searching for truth by comparing the Bible and the Quran. And she agreed to pray to God and ask him to show her the truth through visions and dreams, which she often does with Muslims. He'll come and share through dreams and visions. Our missionary friend concluded the conversation by asking her, if she would believe in Jesus, if he revealed himself to her. So let's say he does show up in a vision or dream, if she would believe. She said this, she said, sister, or sister, this would be very difficult. When I got engaged to someone who wasn't Muslim, my uncle threatened to burn us and only didn't do it because he loves my mother. Okay, so to follow Jesus for her will cost her everything if she decides to say yes. And we have to be praying for her that she will have the courage to surrender to Jesus when he reveals himself to her. I share this story for two reasons. One, to show you the simplicity of sharing Jesus. This is between two people who love each other. There's been relationship building. It's not hostile. We always, I feel like we often lean into like, it's got to be hostile and intense and probably on Facebook where we don't have to be face to face. It should be in the context of loving friendship, right? If we love, if we have been impacted by the love of Jesus, we can't help but love people no matter what they believe or where they're from, their background. We got to love people. We enjoy people. We want to sit with them and talk with them. So it happens in the context of loving friendship, but it also has to be done with a prayerful, or a prayerful understanding that, that for many, and even here in America, to follow Jesus will cost them a lot. We're asking them to give up lordship in their life and let Jesus be king and to submit themselves to this book. That's what we're asking them to do, right? So we have to pray that they would have the courage to respond to him. Many people hear the gospel, they believe for a while, and they fall away because it gets too hard. And we have to be praying that God would give people courage all across the world to truly trust him and follow him. If the lost are going to be saved, they have to hear and believe. And to hear and believe a preacher, just like our friend in Southern Asia has to share, But how do we make sure preachers get to the places where they need to preach? says this in verse 15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? I like sent. I like that word. As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Paul shows us that that we don't only need preachers who are willing to go in that And that we shouldn't only be preachers to our own community, which we're all called to do, but also we need to be senders of other preachers to other communities. Senders gotta send. Senders must send. We have a responsibility and a mandate on our lives to send people to the places they want to go to share the gospel. There is a responsibility on Christians like us who have resources and live in places like America to send our friends through prayer and finances to the ends of the earth. There's a call and a mandate to send our friends to... Indonesia and and Sri Lanka and Turkey and secular France and secular Netherlands and Botswana and Cameroon and India. 
in Lithuania, like we do through Kingdom Builders. There's a mandate on our lives to send people. I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize I spent all my money on stuff when there's missionaries who are willing to go to the ends of the earth to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a mandate to send. In Matthew 9, when Jesus looked out at the crowds of people who needed him, he said this. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus asked us to pray for laborers daily. Right? This, isn't, this needs to be something we commit ourselves to, praying, God, send people to the harvest field. Send people, Lord, send them. Raise them up. Help me to raise people up. And here's the thing. When people actually respond and say they are willing to go, we must do whatever we can to get them there. We're not going. We better be sending. Here's the reality, though. You're not going to care about this. Like, you're not going to pray and share with, with your loved ones and send people. You're not going to do these things unless you're burdened for those who don't know Jesus. Unless the reality that people are headed to hell has messed with you, then you're not going to do anything about it. Okay, so let me ask you the question this morning. Are you burdened for the lost? Does it break your heart that people will be separated from the one who loves them for eternity? Does that mess with you? It sure burdened the early church, didn't it? This is why they pushed the gospel forward against tremendous spiritual and political opposition. This is why they were willing to die for Jesus. They loved Jesus so much that they were willing to lay it all on the line for him and for other people. Paul said this in Romans 9 as he starts his little part about, about the Israelites not responding to Jesus that, that we looked at in Romans 10. He started it by saying this in Romans 9. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. He's saying, guys, I'm not lying. I'm not yanking your chain. I'm not being dramatic. This is true. He says, I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So Paul is saying that he wishes that he could trade places for his brothers who are lost. He was willing to give up his salvation so the Israelites could be saved. This is the kind of love I think that each of us need to pray for. We need to pray that the love of Christ would compel us to risk it all for those who don't know Jesus yet. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that, you know, that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Ooh, I'm praying for that across the earth. People who don't live for themselves. We got enough of that going on, right? People who don't live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again... His prayer is that people would live for the things that actually matter, for the one who matters. And then he says, we are therefore Christ ambassadors. That's where Chi Alpha comes from, Chi Alpha. Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Okay, he is saying that the love of Christ compelled him to be a messenger for Jesus, a representative for Jesus, and it caused him to appeal with the world to be reconciled to God. Okay, we have to do our part. We have to pray for this love and then do our part by being Christ's ambassadors to those who need him. We need to be his representatives and messengers to those who have yet to respond to him. Okay, so the question this morning is, what is God asking you to do? Okay, ask him that right now in your heart. What's he asking you to do? God, what are you asking me to do? How is he asking you to build the kingdom of God here and around the world? Well, I believe we can really break it up into three things. Pray, share, send. Pray, share, send. The first thing is you need to pray. Prayer is not a joke. It's not just something you do to try to make yourself look Christian. You're not talking to the air. You're talking to the king of the universe. Prayer matters. When Jesus talks about laborers, he says, pray for them to be raised up, Right? He didn't say, take him through this or, or have him do that. He said, pray, right? So pray, start with that. Pray for laborers to be raised up. Pray that, that people would respond to the call of Jesus. Pray for, or pray for the, missionaries and organ, or the missionaries and organization that our church partners with through kingdom builders. Pray for them who have already said they're going to go. 
and pray that you can do your part, right? So start with prayer. The second thing is share. Every single day, look for opportunities to declare the love of God to your friends. Pray in the morning. I promise you he'll take you up on it. Pray in the morning. Say, God, give me opportunities to share your love with people today. And then as God gives you what I call, or what many people call, divine appointments, right? As he gives you these divine appointments, then act on it. And you don't have to be a preacher. Well, you're a preacher, but you don't have to be like a trained pastor. Just talk about what Jesus has done. Talk about his love. Invite people to join you at church. It doesn't have to be so complicated. Just share what Jesus has done in your life. And and finally, you need to send. Okay, so you send through prayer, right? Prayer, again, matters. It's not a joke, right? We actually send through prayer. We are partnering with people in prayer, but also more practically through giving financially. The sad reality is if people don't have the money, they can't go. If they can't provide for themselves on the field, they can't go, right? So, so pray, pray that God would enable you to send people through finances. Our King Jesus was the most generous person to ever live on the face of the earth. He gave his very life for us. As God's people who have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we should be generous as well with the money and resources that God has given us. If Jesus gave his life for us, how could we not be generous as well? And this is where our, our Kingdom Builders Initiative comes in. In 2023, on top of our, our tithes and offerings, our goal is to give $100,000 to Kingdom Builders this year. Okay, so go ahead, grab your books. If you've got one, if you didn't get one, I think they're out in the lobby. I'm not actually sure, but hopefully you got one on your way in. If not, you can describe it after service. But, but Kingdom Builders, what is it? Okay, you're maybe like, okay, okay, what is Kingdom Builders? You talk about a lot. Well, there's three pieces of it. There's global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. And you can look at those specifically on this page of the packet or the book. But I want to share some of the projects we're partnering with. They're partnering with. I want to go through all of them if we have time. We'll see how it goes. But global missions, let's turn to global missions, okay? So we want to get $45,000. Here's my commitment to you. Every year, like global missions is going to be the biggest part of this, okay? Like global missions is our heart. The only way it wouldn't be is if we're doing some massive building project or something and Kingdom Builders is a part in that. That's the only way it wouldn't be. But on normal years, global missions is going to be our biggest part, Okay? So $45,000, and, and the bulk of this goes to our monthly missionary support. Okay, so that's $12,000. We support 15 global missionaries monthly. We give them $100 or $50 a month. Uh, some we do $150, and it goes to them every month to sustain their work across the earth. And you can see some of the countries we support. Uh, the second thing is, is Convoy of Hope. We'll try to raise this all in one day, on one day to feed the world, which will be April 23rd. We have a representative from you're from Convoy coming here. He's a phenomenal speaker. He's going to share on the 23rd. And the goal will be for each of us to give one day salary to, or to make uh, this $10,000 goal to feed children around the world. And also it helps provide uh, disaster relief as well. Okay, Project Rescue 4,000. That is rescuing girls from sex trafficking. I love Project Rescue. Uh, Venture Ministries is a new ministry we're partnering with. Uh, they're not new, but for us it's new. And they target areas with less than 2% gospel witness and that receive less than 1% of all Christian giving. So like the most needy parts of the world when it comes to the gospel. And specifically, they focus on, on human trafficking, refugee crises, and extreme poverty. Party One builds Bible schools around the world. He's coming on August 27th to speak. He's got some crazy, crazy stories. He's built Bible schools, well, not just him, but his organization has built Bible schools around the world in unlikely places. And we're going to partner with them this year. And then actually the Venture guy is coming as well on November 5th, I think it is. So we got some great people coming in to share. You're really going to know the, the organizations we're partnering with. And then BGMC is our, our uh, missions focus for our children. So they give to missions as well. We want to have every generation giving to missions. And last year we blew through our $1,000 goal for, or for BGMC. And this year we're going for two. So parents, step up. So we're going to do it. <laughs> I, I know you throw the money in the little bucket, but uh, all right. And then Speed the Light, we got a $1,000 goal. That was our goal last year. We were just shy. We're going for it again for the youth. Okay, Speed the Light specifically provides vehicles for missionaries across the world. I love Speed the Light. And, and then the Kingdom Builders Advancement Fund, that helps bring in speakers, right, from these organizations. We need to pay them when they come in. They travel here from out of state. We need to provide money to them to be able to do that. So that fund covers that. And then strategic partner projects is just a little bit of wiggle room. If something pops up or like a disaster happens for us to be able to give 
uh, just out of the goodness of our hearts, like throughout the year, that's not already planned out. Okay, that's Global Missions. And now I want to show a video that kind of shows the heart of Global Missions and what we focus on. We focus on unreached people groups, and I want to share a video that kind of explains that to us. So go ahead and, and play that. Jesus told us 2,000 years ago that our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. He also promised us that only after we accomplish that task will we receive the blessing of His return. So, how are we doing accomplishing our mission? To answer that, let's classify the 7 billion people on the earth today into three groups. Let's start with the Christians. About 33% of the world's population would identify itself as Christian. We call this segment of the population World C. C for Christian. It's important to remember that not all of the people that fall into World C are true believers in Christ. They merely identify themselves as Christian because of nominal belief in Jesus or because they live in a country where everyone is considered Christian, so they would do the same. Next, there's the 38% of the world that has access to the gospel but has chosen not to follow Jesus. They have Bibles in their language, churches nearby, friends or co-workers who are potentially Christians, or access to other Christian resources in their language. These people have access to the good news, but just haven't acted on it yet. This segment of the population is called World B. That leaves us with 29% of the world, just over one out of every four people on this planet who not only have never heard of Jesus, they have no chance of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. They have no access to the gospel, no Bibles, no churches, no believers nearby, no chance to learn about Jesus. We call that 29% World A. Now on to missionaries. Only one out of every 1,800 Christians in World C decides to serve as a cross-cultural missionary. So we can pull 400,000 missionaries out of that World C population. That's our total cross-cultural missionary force worldwide. Did you know that 72% of all our missionaries are going to World C? That's right, the vast majority of the missionaries being sent out are going to the people of the world that have Bibles and established churches. 25% of the missionaries are sent to World B, where there is already some access to the church and to the Bible. That leaves only 3% of the total missionary force to handle all of World A, the section of the population without any chance of hearing about Jesus. 29% of the world has no way to hear the gospel, but we're sending only a tiny portion of our Christian workers to them. What about finances? Annually, all those Christians in World C earn a total of $42 trillion. And together, they give about $700 billion to Christian causes each year. That includes everything. Christian nonprofits, churches, youth programs, missions, etc. Can you do the math? Less than 2% of Christian income is being given to Christ's causes. Out of that 700 billion given to all Christian causes, only 45 billion is given to missions specifically. That's a little over 6%. In fact, there is more money reported embezzled from the church each year than is given to missions. Remember those 400,000 missionaries? We have $45 billion to support them and their cross-cultural work. But how exactly is it allocated? Well, $39 billion goes to World C every year. Yep, 87% of that mission's money is being spent in areas of the world that have Bibles and churches available. $5.4 billion, or 12%, goes to World B each year, those that have access to the gospel message but have rejected it. That leaves only $450 million, or 1% of all mission's money going to World A, the least reached people of the world. To put that into perspective, annually Americans spend more money on Halloween costumes for their pets than get sent to World A. To summarize, only 3% of our missionary force, armed with only 1% of missions giving, is going out to reach the 2 billion people who don't have access to the gospel. 2 billion people are still waiting for the good news of Jesus Christ. So here's a question for you. What are you going to do to change that? So at the heart of our Global Missions Fund is partnering with missionaries who go to these kinds of places. You notice when I was sharing some of the stories today, I didn't give names or places. 
because they're in hostile places where you know, hardly anyone is Christian. So these are the kind of people we support and are, are primarily focusing on. All right, we also have local church expansion. So that's the second or the next page in the book. And there's really right now there's four categories for this, and it'll expand over time. But, but these are the four things we care about. Uh, so the first thing is Cedar Valley Outreach. We did some outreaches last year. We had some summer nights, the back-to-school Sunday. We did kickoff Sunday. Uh, we did the back-to-school outreach. We gave out backpacks to kids. We did a lot of that kind of stuff. And now this year we want to do more, not necessarily more events like that, you know, it, or we'll still do a few things like that, but more giving to our community, like the backpacks, that kind of outreach. So we're really excited about those types of outreaches this year, and we're working to plan those. And also this fund also um, helps pay for or helps us care for the poor in our city when they call and ask for help. So that's what that fund takes care of. And then also Scent Ministry Center, we raised 19000 and some change uh, last year for, for what I'm calling phase one of the project. As we went into it, we're kind of figuring out what it looks like, and we realized that for the ministry center, we really need three phases. I could have tried to put phase two and three both in this year, but I wanted to give more to missions. So for this next year, so well, let me back up. For last year, what we did is, is we raised money for the windows, uh, replacing the internal doors, and also to finish the basement, which is where we're going to do some classes and things like that. And now this year, our focus is the flooring, and I'm having a brain fart, so let me look. The, the flooring and then the external front door, right? You just go look at the external front door. There's definitely some air getting through there, and it's very warped. So, and that's expensive to do. So, so we're going to raise 10000 this year to do those two things. And then next year, we're hoping to, uh, to do phase three, unless God uh, does something crazy, and we can do it this year. And, and for that year, we're going to uh, take out the poles in the basement, because it's hard to have class, and there's a huge pole in your face. So take out those poles, and then... Also renovate the bathrooms because they're a little scary. Okay, so so anyways, that's our plan for for phase three. But again, the heart of that center is to have a place for discipleship classes for communities. Last uh, semester we had the youth meeting there; it was incredible. And now this semester we have our community or one of the communities meeting there. Our team offices there, which really for the church that's been such a good thing for our team to be face to face. It's just more efficient and there's more chemistry happening because we're together throughout the week. So that's been really good because we don't have the space for those things in this building. It's been an incredible investment already and I just want to say thank you for making that possible. We're going to continue to make that the best place we can make it. And then also we're going to get 4,000 to our Alternatives Pregnancy Center and then also the Church Multiplication Network. We're going to have 3,000 to plant churches across the United States. And now I want to look at future Christian leaders. And our biggest fund in this part is Kyle for you and I. We have 10 full-time missionaries uh, that serve on the UNI campus. We obviously care a lot about you and I. And Pastor Derek's going to share for two minutes here just about why it's important to give to Kyle for you and I. So go ahead, Derek. Yes, thank you. Ooh, that's loud. Amen. See, that's the presence of God. Anyways, well, thank you guys so much for our church being so financially generous towards Chi Alpha. Chi Alpha is our ministry to college students at UNI and Hawkeye, and I serve as our Chi Alpha director. So Chi Alpha is obviously important to our church, because as you look around, you can see a lot of college students. So when we minister to college students, we're really helping the life of our church as they serve on our worship team, they serve our kids, they serve and give you coffee, and they're here to really help the lifeblood of our church grow. But it's not just because we're close to UNI that that Chi Alpha is important. Chi Alpha is important because college is the one of, if not the most important time in someone's life. When they go to college, a student is deciding their job, they're deciding who they're going to marry, and really they're deciding who they're going to be for the rest of their lives. And we believe that if we can impact students with the gospel or the good news of Jesus while they're in college, we can set a trajectory for their lives going forward. Statistics show that over 70% of students who grow up going to church, when they come to college, they're going to walk away from Jesus. My job is to make that not happen. See, because we don't want to see students who come in knowing Jesus walk away, right? We want to protect that investment. And one student in particular in our Chi Alpha, her name is Maggie. She has been walking around taking pictures today, and she also does coffee and does a thousand things for our church. Maggie grew up as a Jesus follower, went to church, but then when she came to college, she was kind of exploring herself and to see what life is going to be like, so she fell into the party scene and to fell into some of the things that are just the dark parts of college campuses, right? College campuses can be a very dark place. 
And so she got connected to Chi Alpha, but she also fell into this party scene. And throughout the first half of her time in college, she was just kind of seeing more and more of that take root in her life. And then she reached a moment, kind of a breaking point, where she wanted to come back to Jesus. And luckily, she had a Chi Alpha family that was there waiting for her to love on her and show her what it looks like to follow Jesus. So that because of our generosity and because of the work of Chi Alpha, Maggie Katz is not one of the 70% of students who have fallen away from Jesus. Because now Maggie faithfully serves the Lord. There's girls that are here at church today. The reason they're here is because Maggie met them when they moved in. So because of our generosity, yes, I praise Jesus for that. So thank you guys so much. Because of our generosity, students like Maggie get to keep following Jesus and students after that. Thank you guys. Hey, come on, somebody. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Woo! All right. So I've taken a lot of time already. You guys got a few more minutes for me to explain the rest of this? Okay. Awesome. Thank you for your patience today. But uh, so also on future leaders, we or something we do is we help kids go to camp, uh, both youth and kids go to camp and conferences if they can't afford it. And those are life-changing times. And, and Kingdom Builders makes it where we have that scholarship money available. We don't have to come and make appeals to the church you know, throughout the year at these times. We just have it in the Kingdom Builders Fund. And we also support Kyle missionaries at, at the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and Drake University, and a couple other campuses. And we want to be not just about this campus, but campuses around the country. And then we also have some funds for Senate. Uh, leadership development specifically, we concentrate on raising up you know, pastors and things like that to serve, or people like that to serve in our church. All right, so when you give to Kingdom Builders, the fun thing is you help fund all of these things, right? It's, it's like you're being a, it makes it possible to be a part of all these things at once. It's really an amazing thing. And I want to just end by, by just answering some quick questions. I'll go really fast. But, but the first question that people ask is, did we invent Kingdom Builders? And I've already kind of said this, but no, we did not. It's something that churches do all around the nation. It's a national movement of people who just want to give above and beyond, okay? But for us, our $100,000 goal is just the sent church goal, right? Other churches have their own projects. Okay, the second thing is, do we need to give to specific projects throughout the year? Like, are we going to ask for all these different things? No, just give to Kingdom Builders, and then as you do, we'll be able to fund these different things. So, so really, we're asking you to give to two things. Give to the general fund through your tithe and offerings, and then give to Kingdom Builders. There is one exception. On the Convoy of Hope Day, we do do the one day to feed the world, where we give one day salary to feed the world. That's the one day where you can give specifically to a project. And... And with that said, the other question is, can we give to specific projects? Like, like can we do that? And, that? and the answer is no, besides Convoy of Hope. And the reason why is it's very difficult to track. If you all put on your dollar, you write on your dollar, this is not for that. It's for this. It makes it difficult to track. So instead, just give to Kingdom Builders and then trust that God will fund all the projects throughout the year. And as we go throughout the year, we'll announce which projects have been funded as we're going. And then at the end of the year, uh, some of the bigger projects will be the ones that are, are left and will have to come through and really raise that uh, last bit in. And that's gonna be in November where we have a big miracle offering to get to 100,000. Okay, the next question is how do I go about giving to Kingdom Builders? In this part, we have it on the back of the book here, Plan, Vision, Dream, so I won't spend too much time on that, but I just wanna say, get a plan. Okay, don't just haphazardly give to it. Like, for me and Emily, we give every other week to Kingdom Builders, just a set amount, and we also give big gifts throughout the year. Okay, that's our plan, but for you, pray about it and get a plan. Maybe you want to give 1% of your income to Kingdom Builders, and then you know, give a big gift at the end of the year. Plan and ask God to lead you as you do that. Don't just wait till the end. We need to start making progress now, because if we get to November and we've only raised $2,000, it's going to feel really daunting to raise $98,000 at the end. So start now. I'd love to see some money start coming in this week for Kingdom Builders, okay? So the second thing is vision. Ask God for a vision of what he could do through you, like a big vision. Believe that God could do it, and write that down. And then above that, ask for like an audacious dream, right? Like what's the dream amount? Like this probably isn't likely, but what's that big dream amount? If I, if I could, you know, really step into everything I want to for Kingdom Builders, what's the dream amount of what I could give? And then watch as God provides for you to be able to work towards that. Okay, next question is how does this impact my tithe? Okay, so here's our encouragement. Start with the tithe and then above that, give to Kingdom Builders. Okay, so tithing, it means 10th. It's bringing 10% of your income back to God through the local church. And the first 10%, this is our belief and it's in the scriptures, the first 10% it's not even ours to begin with, right? It's God's. We're supposed to bring that to him right away. And this is just being faithful. It's giving back to God what is his. And 10% is what Old Testament believers did. So, so Jesus, he always raised the bar in the New Testament. He never said, hey, in the Old Testament, you know, they did 10% for you, new covenant believers with the spirit of God living on the inside of your heart, just give 1%. That's not how he worked. He instead said in the Old Testament, if you were, the sin was to murder, but now in the New Testament, he says, if you're even 
angry with your brother, that's murder in your heart. Okay, so he's always raising the bar because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of our hearts. And really, New Testament believers, what they did is they would bring everything to the apostles' feet. We're not asking you to do that, but that's what they did. They brought 100%. And the principle is if you bring the first 10% to God, he's going to bless your other 90%. And that's a principle that's throughout both Old and New Testament. You know, Jesus affirmed it in the New Testament. It's a binding principle of good stewardship and faithfulness for all of time. And as your pastor... Here's the deal. I'm not asking you to tithe because I want something from you. It's because I want something for you. I've tithed ever since I was 14 years old, and I've seen God's blessing through it, and I want that for you. Tithing is about the heart, and God wants your heart. Okay, so the thing is, we want your money to be blessed. We want you to be blessed, and we believe that God does that uh, when we tithe. So if this is your church home, we encourage you, if you haven't started tithing, test God in this. Start doing it and see what he does. That's the first thing you take care of. Start doing that today. If you don't feel like you can do 10%, I disagree, but start somewhere, right? It's better to give 2% than no percent, right? So start somewhere and then work up to what God's asking you to do. And again, we don't encourage you to tithe because we want something from you. We want something for you. We want you to be blessed. And that's what Malachi 3 says. It says, it says, well, man rob God, and yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes, which means tenth, and contributions. You are cursed with the curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, referring to the temple, this is Old Testament, the temple, but you know, today God's church is the, the people of God coming together, carrying the presence of God to the world, so it's similar, uh, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down blessing for you until there's no more need. Test him. This is the only thing he says to test me in. Try it out. See what happens. Be faithful uh, with what God has given you. Let him bless the rest. But don't just do that. Be generous. Give above and beyond to kingdom builders. Give above and beyond to reach the three billion unreached people groups around the world. Give above and beyond to push back injustice. Give above and beyond uh, to take care of our Kyle missionaries who are taking the gospel to the next generation. Our last question is, does the general fund help with kingdom builders? The answer is yes. We give 10% of every tithe and offering to kingdom builders. When it comes in, we earmark it for kingdom builders. We send it over to that account and 10% of what you bring through your tithe goes to kingdom builders. So here's the cool thing. Even if you're just starting with the tithe, in a way you are giving to kingdom builders. Just 10% of that is going to that. So as the tithe goes up, our kingdom builders goes up naturally. So that's pretty cool how that works. Okay, so start tithing and pray about how you can give above and beyond to help us reach this goal. And this may sound crazy. Hear me, church. I know it's getting late. This goal may sound crazy, but God can do it. Okay, one year ago today, I think it was last week actually, but point is one year ago in a week, I rolled out Kingdom Builders for 2022, and our goal was $40,000, and that felt crazy. God helped us raise $67,000. 67, come on somebody. Yeah, that's what God does. And two years ago, we uh, rolled out the Only God Building Fund so we could move into this building. Our audacious goal was $50,000, and how much did we raise? $100,000. He did it before. He can do it again. Come on, somebody. He's going to do it. He's going to bring in $100,000. Okay, with that in mind, let's allow God to burden us for the lost in such a way that we pray, share, and send. Let's be kingdom builders. Okay, the main idea this morning is this. Jesus is calling us to build his church, build his kingdom here and around the world through praying, sharing, and sending. Praying, sharing, and sending. I want to give an illustration to end. Okay, years ago, I was at a conference, and I heard a sermon where uh, the speaker shared an analogy about missions that I really liked. It was a picture of missions as someone, or as descending into the darkness to see people rescued for the glory of God. Okay, missions is descending into the darkness to see people rescued and restored for Jesus. Here's the key to that picture. For someone to descend into the darkness, they need someone to hold the rope to lower them down. People cannot descend into the darkness unless they have a team of people who vigorously hold the rope and provide stability and support as they descend. They need a team holding the rope. And that's what we do when we support people who go to the ends of the earth. We hold the rope so that others can descend into the darkness. And what a tragedy it would be that there's people who are willing to descend into the darkness and there's no one to hold the rope. 
They can't find people. They're running around church to church. Will you support me in doing this? Will you help me? They're going to their friends, their family. I can't do it. I got to have that Netflix subscription. I can't do it. It's too important for me to watch whatever shows people watch these days. I don't know. Gilmore Girls, I like Gilmore Girls. It's too important. I can't give 10 bucks a month to missions. No, it's too important. How, how tragic would that be if there's people who are willing to go and there's no one to hold the rope? I pray that Sent Church would be a, a, a missionary rope-holding church as people descend into the darkness. We are holding them up as they are casting out demonic spirits. We are praying with them that God will help them as they do so. I pray that we would be a church that holds the rope. God has called us for such a time as this, right? To reach our community, to reach the college campus, to raise up leaders, and also to send people to the ends of the earth, to see the gospel proclaimed and take root in every tribe, tongue, and nation. He's called us to be a part of a global vision. And we need all hands on deck so that all may hear. Okay, so this is the call of kingdom builders, to lay down our lives and to hold the rope for those who are giving up their lives. And through Kingdom Builders, we can be Christ ambassadors and and see people reached all around the world. I pray that each of us would be willing to give up our lives and become Kingdom Builders. I pray that we would be willing to lay it all on the line to build God's kingdom here and around the world. Okay, so let's lean in this year. Let's be a church that prays, shares, and sends. If we're going to reach the $100,000 goal, we need to start vigorously working towards it now. Okay, with that said, let's uh, stand all across this room. We're going to close. So here's how I want to end this morning. I want to listen to Jesus for a moment. I wasn't planning on doing this, but just really feels, I feel like the Lord wants us to do this. We can bring the lights down. I want us to have just a moment of quiet here at the end. And I want us to ask Jesus himself what he wants us to do. Let's begin to ask. Maybe you're not going to hear right now. Maybe it's a process, but let's begin to ask him now, Lord, what do you want me to do to be a kingdom builder? God, what can I do to pray, share, and send? So, so Lord, right now we ask you to speak to us all across this room. Lord, I pray that you'd raise up mature men and women of faith who, who do what it takes to pray, share, and send. And Holy Spirit, right now we invite you to speak to us. What are you asking us to do in 2023? hearts to be open to whatever you're saying to us. Help us not to tell you no, that you can't do it, but to truly listen to you. God, help us to be people who pray, who pray vigorously for our missionaries and and pray for our community. Help us to be a church that shares with those we come into contact with. Help us to be a church that sends through prayer and giving. Lord, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to worship one more time for a couple minutes and we'll end.